At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. This is VEASAN's Pro Football Betting Podcast. Oh, there it goes! He had it a blunder and he's off to the races. This will be six. Here's your host, Danny Burke. Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of VEASAN's Pro Football Betting Podcast. Alongside me, the first time we've got him on, former Super Contest champion and current VEASAN host, it is Brady Cannon at Las Vegas Golfer, where you can follow him along on the tweets. The man knows a little bit about football, folks. You're going to want to listen up because he is one of the best in the biz. And we got a big game to look forward to Monday night. We're recording this later on Sunday night after all the shenanigans that went on. And man, Brady, I was kind of just telling you before we recorded, I feel like I couldn't catch a break this entire Sunday. But it seems like you made it out. Uh, you made it out alive. I know a lot of people got busted up, but it seems like you stayed afloat for the most part. Yeah, relatively unscathed. Uh, I had my two biggest bets were on uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers catching seven. I actually was a, I, I think I bought it up to seven before it got there. I uh, just felt comfortable getting the key number there. Uh, didn't end up needing it. Um, and then I also had the Texans. I was able to catch that at seven and a half before it came down to seven, but that didn't matter either. Um, kind of unfortunate they didn't win that game outright, but I'll certainly take the, yeah. the cash ticket there, that game finishing in a tie. Uh, had a couple of teasers uh, that lost, uh, had one teaser that was a win, and then I've got a couple of teasers going into Monday night. Uh, one, I teased the total down. Back when it was at 42, I teased it down to 36. So I'm looking to go over 36 in the Monday night game. 
And then I also teased the uh, Seattle Seahawks up to 12 and a half. And that's certainly not the most advantageous teaser. You know, you always like to go through the three and the seven and all that. Well, I'm going through the seven and the 10 and, and, and the 11 is even not such a non-key number, if you will. But uh, so I've got plus 12 and a half on the Seahawks and I need over 36. I feel pretty good about both of those positions. Interesting. Yeah, you know, you mentioned a teaser that may be kind of in that historical path, not the spot you're always kind of seeking out. But I'm more curious about you teasing the total. I, you know, a finite amount of times am I teasing totals, and I probably have escaped from doing it a little bit more recently. Like when I first started getting into teasers, I would probably seek out totals a tad bit more. But how often do you find yourself teasing totals? And are there particular situations to where you really see that as a better play compared to others? I think generally speaking, Danny, teasing totals in the NFL is not a great idea. Um, but I felt that this was a good spot here. And, and I don't do it too often at all. In fact, this is the only tease of a total I have on my entire card in week one. Um, but I got a sense that this was going to be bet to the over, and it has. You know, we're already at 44 now, and who, may, who knows, it might go up before we get to kickoff on Monday night. Um, but I was trying to find another partner. I had the Detroit Lions teased up to 10 and a half, and I was trying to find nice. a, another leg for that teaser, and I felt really good about the uh, Seahawks game going over, so I went ahead and used a total in that case. Gotcha, gotcha. Well, yeah, Brady, we have seen a lot of movement in this game because, as we know, a lot of these lines got posted as early as back in May, and at that point, Denver opened up as about a four-point favorite and, you know, ever since everything with Russell Wilson and whatnot and the Seahawks not really getting a true quarterback, the line has gone in favor of Denver pretty highly. They're now up to six in the hook and some shops have them as high as seven. In terms of that total, as you alluded to, 41, we saw it open up in a lot of books and now Brady up to 44 with some juice still to the over in several outlets here in our jurisdiction in the state of Illinois, about minus 295 or so on the money line line for the Broncos Seahawks plus 255 on the buyback so uh, before we kind of get a little bit deeper into the spread and the total Brady I, I just want to ask you about this head coaching matchup you know Pete Carroll he's had his moments right he's been a very respected coach but the longer his career goes on in the NFL the more questionable decisions it seems like is going on up there in Seattle hence why Russell Wilson is now a part of the Denver Broncos when you look at that Broncos team, well, now you got a brand new coach in Nathaniel Hackett. What, who has the advantage in this coaching matchup? If you kind of try to take the personnel aside from it, who do you give the nod to here? Well, I, I think um, just from a continuity standpoint, you have to give the edge to the Seahawks. Uh, Nathaniel Hackett may turn out to be a great head coach in this league. I, I don't think he's necessarily shown that from what we've seen in the preseason. Uh, but, you know, I think continuity matters, especially in week one, uh, you know, when everything's new in training camp. And it's really so new for the Denver Broncos. Not only do they have a new head coach, they have a new offensive coordinator. They have a new defensive coordinator. They have a new uh, special teams unit coordinator. And none of these guys in these positions 
organizations have ever called plays before, except for Nathaniel Hackett. Uh, he did so with the Buffalo Bills and also the Jacksonville Jaguars, and he wasn't very successful at all. His offenses uh, ranked well below average when he was calling plays for those two teams. And, you know, you look at the Buffalo Bills now, it obviously helps. They've got a new offensive coordinator as well. It helps when you've got an extremely talented team and a quarterback like Josh Allen. But uh, my point is that uh, this new coaching staff for the Denver Broncos does not have a lot of experience. And, you know, they come in with so many expectations. The expectations are so high for them to just flip this switch immediately. Uh, you look at uh, the defensive side of the ball. It was Vic Fangio calling plays for this defense last year. Maybe one of the best defensive coordinators of all time in the NFL. And they there are expectations that this defense is just going to pick up where it left off. And certainly they have a lot of talent. But again, without the continuity from what they had before and the familiarity with Vic Fangio's game plan, you wonder if we can expect that much out of this defense immediately. Yeah, and that's really what arises in week one. And week one, as we literally saw on full display on Sunday earlier today because we're no recording it Sunday night. <laughs> I mean, just in, in, in just nuts all over the place. And that's what gives you trepidation in spots where there is some, some unfamiliarity with Russell Wilson, as good as he may be, as good as Hackett may be, as you mentioned, and as much more talent as the Broncos may have. Aside from week one and the unfamiliarity, Brady, I, I mean, talk about all the emotions coming into this game and how crazy that home stadium is going to be for the Seahawks. They may end up being the worst team in the NFL NFL, they may end up losing this game, but I feel like this could be reminiscent of last year, Brady, where we saw Tom Brady go back to Foxborough and everybody and their mother was betting Tampa Bay in some fashion. Hand up, I had them on a teaser and had to sweat it out to the end. <laughs> I feel like that would be the case with this game to where if you get the number at seven, Taking it with Seattle seems like the right edge, but Denver probably gets the win just because they have that talent there, but not in a comfortable way. That's at least kind of how I'm foreseeing it at this point. Yeah, I'm kind of with you there, but you know, if the games we saw on Sunday in week one are in the indication, then Seattle's going to win this game outright, correct? <laughs> yeah. you know? I mean, um, but I'd be with you there. Uh, you know, that's a little bit of handicapping 101 there, taking a home dog, getting a full seven points, getting a full touchdown. Uh, and we saw it, you know, come true all over the place in week one, really, except for the Jets. They were, you know, I believe maybe the only home dog that was catching a, a touchdown. Now, at yeah. kickoff, there was a lot of places that were, uh, you know, at six and a half, but they were certainly at seven uh, for a time. And you probably could have had that even right up until kickoff. And uh, you, you look at, uh, you know, the Houston Texans were getting seven points. Uh, the Chicago Bears were getting six and a half or seven. Uh, and then some road dogs too like the New York Giants and the Pittsburgh Steelers so you know it's just such a key number in the NFL and you know yeah Seattle did not look good in the preseason uh, the preseason prognostications of this team were not high like you said some people picked them to be the worst team in the NFL um, but if there's any game that they're going to show up for it's this one on Monday night I mean obviously this is only week one and we've got you know 17 more to go but Right now, this is the Seattle Seahawks Super Bowl, and 
you know, they kind of had to land on Geno Smith by default. He, he was better. He was, you know, the, a lesser of two evils, if you will, with, uh, you know, Drew Locke, who did not look good at all. But Geno Smith is a backup quarterback, but he's pretty decent. You also have Tyler Lockett and uh, DJ Met, DK Metcalf, you know, on that offense. Uh, you have Noah Fant at tight end. We know part of the disconnect between Russell Wilson and Pete Carroll was Carroll wanting to run the ball and Wilson wanting to throw the ball. So you can expect now that Wilson's out of the picture in Seattle that Carroll will get his wish and he will run the ball. Kenneth Walker uh, out of Michigan State uh, is listed as questionable. They still have Rashad Penny. Um, but, uh, you know, it, I think it would be helpful if Walker can go in this game. I don't know what it, what to expect out of the rookie. I really liked him at Michigan yeah. State. But if it's going to be uh, the ground game heavy for the Seattle Seahawks here, which I think it probably will be, you'd like to have Walker back there, uh, you know, to fill in and relieve Rashad Penny when necessary. Yeah, so that was going to lead me to my next question for you, Brady, because now that we got this primetime game, even more interest will circulate around these props. And props are one of my favorite markets, but just like betting the game straight up in week one, props are a little bit harder to judge because you don't know what the schematics are going to be like year in and year out with different matchups and, again, different coaches. But with Rashad Penny, as you mentioned too, Pete Carroll clearly wants to run the ball. He stated that they'll probably need to do it if they can't rely on Geno Smith too much. Rashad Penny, at least out by us here in Illinois, his rushing yards prop anywhere ranging from 69.5 up to 71.5. And then Brady, you could also bet his rushing attempts at 16 in the hook. There is some juice on the under. Man, I mean, again, it, it, all indications point toward Rashad Penny getting a brunt of the whole workload and then some, especially if Walker's banged up. But I, I don't know. Those numbers are, are, are pretty steep still right out of the gate, even if that's their game plan. Yeah, you know, I would be leaning towards going towards the over in the yards obviously if you could get the 69 rather than the 70 or 71 yeah. I think he can get to 80 yards and who knows maybe even 100 because you're right he's going to get a heavy dose but I'd rather go with the yardage prop there and play the over uh, than go with the amount of carries uh, you know he could probably get 80 yards on on 15 or 16 carries you may not have to use him to the tune of 25 carries or so and and if walker is able to go then he's certainly going to get a share of the load as well um, so I'd probably be wanting to go over on uh, the yardage total for Rashad Penny rather than the carries that is going to be the bulk of the offense you know, I, I do think Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf and Fant are going to be a huge part of this Seattle attack. And and I think they will have some success, but that's probably the best prop you could land on, because like you say, it's week one. We don't know necessarily what's going to transpire, uh, but I think we have a pretty good idea that Rashad Penny is going to be a focal point. All right. Then what I also think is a really fascinating kind of back and forth battle to look out for comes within the Broncos themselves in their own backfield. You talk about Walker and Penny, man, how about Javante Williams and Melvin Gordon? I mean, you got Great two guys field. here who can, yeah, you could give it to any of them and they'll be studs on their own. I mean, they both got the same amount of carries last year. I believe it was both of them had 203 carries each, but Gordon actually led in rushing yards, 918 to 903 compared to Williams rushing touchdowns. Gordon had eight, and then two receiving, and then Williams had four rushing, three receiving touchdowns. 
Man, I mean, they talked about it with Nathaniel Hack, and they said who's ever got the hotter hand, basically, is who's going to end up getting more of the carries. So in terms of fantasy, good luck if you're dealing with any of them. But when you're looking at both of these guys' props, Brady, Williams is at about 55 and a half rushing yards is what we're seeing with some juice to the over. I'm kind of tempted here with Gordon. So the thought process from these odds makers is that Javante Williams is going to be the number one premier back. But again, they had the same amount, and we just heard what Hackett said. You can get Gordon at 35 and a half rushing yards over about minus 121. Heck, he went over that mark in 12 out of 16 games last year and averaged 57 rushing yards per contest. Again, different coaching style. Who knows what's going to happen? But if he's having that philosophy saying, hey, who's ever looking better? Who's to say Gordon can't have a couple good runs and then you'll be looking pretty nice at a cheaper spot of 35 and a half compared to 20 yards more with Javante Williams? Well, first of all, I, I really loved Williams in, in his rookie campaign, and, and I think he's going to be uh, even better in, in his sophomore season. Uh, the thing about Gordon is, you know, he has a tendency to fumble the ball. So if he does put the ball on the carpet early in this game, then it's probably going to be all Williams. You know, I, I think you bring up a good point there. You're getting, you know, a discount, if you will, only having to go over 35 yards or so on Gordon. But I'd be a little bit more confident with Williams uh, I just love the way this kid, you know, is such a hard power runner. We expect yeah. that that Seattle defense is not going to be great. They lose Bobby Wagner, certainly one of their run stuffers at the linebacker level. And you also talk about the change uh, in the coaching staff. And we talked about that at length earlier in the in the show here. Um, so you know, is the new coaching staff going to adhere to the same plan that Vic Fangio did last year? I, I think my bet would be no, that it will be different in some sense. And, you know, you know, um, what's his name? Williams is this young talent that I could see Hackett gravitating to more so than Melvin Gordon. Now, it could very well be a two pronged attack as well. And, and you know, Russell Wilson, one of the reasons he left Seattle is because he wants to throw the ball. I mean, does Nathaniel Hackett rely on the run game more so than letting Russ throw it? I, I don't know. Um, it, it could work out that way if both of these guys are having a great deal of success. Uh, we'll have to just wait and see how the game plays out uh, for the Denver offense. But I would be leaning with Williams because I, I just really like this kid. And, and maybe the odds makers are also telling you something with his number sure. being 25, 30 yards, whatever it is, more so than Melvin Gordon. And, you know, Rashad Penny at, at 69 or 70. Williams, uh, I think you said 55 or 60 or so. Yeah. Um, I, I don't think it's a real big ask for Williams to get over, you know, to make it to 65 yards or so in this contest. Yeah, I mean, he's a really strong runner, implements a lot of power, lowers that shoulder. The dude was a stud last year, and I'm with you. I'm on the same page. I, I think he does take a big step forward. And look, we could have a scenario where both of these guys get over this, Mark, because the Broncos could just establish a big lead and look to not put too much stress on Russ and try to maintain possession and just really utilize her running back. So that also could be uh, a decent focal point to tune into for both of those guys. But like Brady was saying, we just won't know until the first game comes throughout with Nathaniel Hackett and how he is going to have his offense looking and you know Brady you talk about Russell Wilson and him getting away from Seattle so he can really utilize his strengths in his arm some of his props ah, man it, it's tricky again because if they get out to a big lead against Seattle will they keep needing him to throw the ball his passing yards prop is at 253 and a half 
His completions number 22 and a half. Passing attempts is 33 and a half. The one that I'm a little intrigued by probably the most is the passing touchdowns one and a half. The overs minus 128. I know it seems obvious, but I could just kind of foresee a situation to where, again, it's an emotional game. If they get down to the red zone, they want to get Russ feeling comfortable. He wants to show off in front of his former team. At the price of minus 128, it's not the greatest, but some other shops had it at about minus a buck 50. So that would probably be my favorite one. But I guess the other side of it is you have two viable running backs who could punch it in if you get the opportunity. So Brady, do any of those stand out to you for Russell Wilson's prop for tomorrow night? Well, yes and no. Uh, I think it stands out to me a little bit uh, as far as the one and a half uh, touchdown passes. I, I would probably stay away from that. Um, I think he could very easily get to two or maybe even three. Uh, but I, I don't want any part of that because my general feeling on the other ones, as far as yardage and completions, uh, I would want to go under on, on those, Daniel, or because, you know, the, the, we've talked about it earlier in the program, how much hype there is and expectation about this Russell Wilson return and, and, you know, return to Seattle, but with a new team and everybody's through the roof on the Denver Broncos and what they're going to do because they have Russell Wilson now. And you have to believe that the market is probably also a little bit inflated on everything mm -hmm. that Russ is expected to do in this first game. So the touchdown one, one and a half, certainly that seems like a reasonable number. You can't inflate that too much. You can, of course, adjust the juice, but I would be wanting to go under on the other stuff involving Russell Wilson. How about Geno Smith then? We got Geno Smith anywhere from 208.5 up to 210.5. Completions for Smith is 18 in the hook. His attempts you can get as high as 30.5. And, and I say as high because I feel like if I'm doing anything with Geno, maybe I would gravitate toward the under passing attempts with Geno Smith. Again, it's the philosophy that if Pete Carroll really wants to run the ball, well, then you're probably taking opportunities out of Geno Smith's hands. And we did see a sample size of him last year. It wasn't big, but the only time he did get over 30 and a half passing attempts ended up being an overtime game. I think it was at Pittsburgh and he got 32 pass attempts in that game. So even then he still barely got over that mark. Uh, would you kind of have the same line of thinking that it would be unders for Geno Smith as well? Or maybe is there a case to be made, hey, if the Broncos do have a lead, at some point they'll be needing to throw it and maybe a stay away because of that? No, I, I'm uh, on the same page with you there as far as Geno Smith and, and for different reasons than why I like the under for Russell Wilson. Uh, and, and it's just what you said. I think we probably agree that there's going to be an emphasis on the running game here for the Seattle Seahawks. And I think Geno Smith could probably throw for 180 yards and Seattle could still win this game. He, he could probably have, you know, 24 attempts, 26 attempts, what have you, and Seattle still win this game. Uh, so I'd be looking under on Geno Smith as well. Um, you know, could there be a, a situation where he's having to chuck it up in, in comeback fashion? Yeah, I mean, we expect some points in this game, but I kind of expect it's going to be a little bit more back and forth. Uh, you know, maybe Denver wins this game something like, uh, you know, 27-21 or something like that. I, you know, I, I don't think it's going to be a, a blowout. I, I don't necessarily think it'll be a shootout. I do think they will get over 44 points. So, you know, like I say, 26, 21, 26, you know, 17 or something like that. Um, I, I think you're looking at a game more in that window 
And I don't think that necessarily dictates Geno Smith throwing it 30 times or throwing for over 250 yards. I, I think Seattle can stay very competitive in this game with all of his numbers being dumbed down a little bit from what those props are offering. All right, Brady. So just to kind of summarize here, you do have a teaser. You teased up the Seahawks and you teased down the total. Correct me if I'm wrong with that. And aside from that, though, if someone out here is looking to make a bet and maybe they don't want to flirt with the teaser opportunities, what would probably be your best angle? Yeah, I don't think teasing Seattle up with, with the total down is the best play to make uh, on this game at this point. Like, like I said, those were uh, one leg of other teasers that I have and they're still live. Um, but I don't necessarily, you know, when, when you're trying to tease one game with the side and the total, obviously you're trying to predict a couple different things. So to pair that in one bet, I probably wouldn't go in that direction. And again, teasing six and a half up to 12 and a half or seven to 13 or whatever, it's not the most advantageous teaser. Um, I, I think I can get it home, but I would probably just bet the game straight as far as the side. I'd, I'd look at the over now. I would probably do it as soon as possible because this probably will close closer to 45 or 45 and a half. Um, we certainly missed the very best number of 41 and a half or 42, um, but I would still consider the over uh, maybe up to a point of 45. And if you can get a seven with the side on the Seahawks, that's probably my most favorable bet. I, I would want to absolutely have the full seven. And who knows, Danny, there has been so much one-way traffic on Denver in this game. I think the books are completely overloaded with Denver money. And will it get to seven and a half? Maybe for a second. You're going to have to watch your screen all day. If it does tick to seven and a half, I would certainly grab it. And, and who knows, if it lasts there for a while, maybe it'll get to eight. I mean, there's been that much support for the Denver Broncos. I, I don't necessarily think it will. I think it'll probably close seven. Because the sharp betters, I think, are going to take the seven uh, when it gets there. And, and again, like I say, if it does tick to seven and a half, that's not going to probably last very long at all. So if I had to make a bet going in, aside from all the other action you have going into this Monday night, if I just had to make a standalone bet, I'd probably try and find a seven with the Seahawks and take it. Yeah, I'm in the same line of thinking here, Brady. It may feel dirty for a lot of people to want to take seven points with the Seahawks team and going against a new look Russell Wilson with a star-studded group aside. Well, I mean, he still had weapons in Seattle, but you get what I'm saying. A different situation that could down the road be beneficial, but all that matters is this one game, the singular spot in a week that's already been hectic. If I see the seven, I might be tempted to do it. Right now, I got nothing officially, but as you guys all know, you can check out our official plays at vsin.com because you got to remember, folks, football season is the best time to become a vsin pro subscriber. Not only do you get our best bets, but you get access to our hourly pro tips and some more best wagers from not just the host, but all of the guests on vsin's programming. You also get daily articles, power rankings, and expanded digital content, along with many more tools to help you become a better better make sure you check it out at vsin.com slash subscribe brady before we get you out of here my man i know because you're such an expert in this and a lot of people tend to do it myself included it's monday morning quarterback right especially after week one you're gonna freak out and overreact what's probably maybe your biggest takeaway from week one where you're going no that may be okay to 
you know, react to pretty harshly. And then another one where you're like, all right, slow your horses, everybody. You know, it's going to be all right. Let's not freak out too much. Well, you know, I'll give you a couple games in week two that kind of stood out to me. And, and they're kind of answering your question in a, in a little bit of a roundabout way. Uh, the Buffalo Bills will be hosting the Tennessee Titans on Monday night, part of a Monday night doubleheader that we actually have in week two. And the line over the summer in this game was Buffalo minus seven and a half. And I've already seen it go up to as high as 10 because you talk about overreaction week. People saw the Buffalo Bills, you and I included, and they looked like an absolute machine. Certainly they had a few mistakes on offense early in that game, but you know, for that line to skyrocket, and it coincides with what we saw out of Tennessee on Sunday, uh, where they laid an egg in the second half and ended up losing that game. So I actually think there's probably value at this point. And again, we're talking here late on Monday night. I haven't done my full handicap uh, for week two just yet, but my initial impression is, we're probably discounting Tennessee a little bit too much and probably overvaluing Buffalo a little bit too much in that week one or week two matchup rather. And uh, gosh, if you can get double digits, that looks like a good play to me at this point. The other one where I thought there might be similar overvalue and undervalue is the New York Giants in week two hosting the Carolina Panthers. The Giants have been installed as a favorite, and uh, I believe it's ticked up a point or a point and a half from where it was over the summer. We saw the electrifying comeback that they had against Tennessee. And we saw the Panthers look relatively pedestrian until the second half when they made a big comeback. But betters are just going to remember that they lost. And, oh, Baker this and Baker that. But, uh, you know, I don't think the Panthers were all that bad in that game. And, and I certainly don't think the Giants were all that great, despite Saquon Barkley and what he did and that second half comeback. You know, a lot of that was the Titans allowing them to do so. So I think there's probably some value there uh, on the Panthers team that everybody might be down on in week two. And everybody's all excited about New York. I couldn't agree more with you on that Giants and Panthers spot. I'm actually a little appalled that this line is at three because I feel like people would still have the sentiment that it's Daniel Jones and you would be able to recognize that it wasn't really because of what Daniel Jones did. It's more so what Saquon Barkley did and how the Titans just mismanaged that second half and having a two-touchdown lead. And Saquon almost fumbled the ball. I mean, he did, but it went out of bounds. If that stays yeah. in bounds, we could be having a completely different conversation. And even that two-point conversion, Brady, he evaded like two, three tacklers that, again, could have completely changed the narrative and eventually changed this line with the Giants against the Panthers. And yeah, Baker Mayfield looks strong in the second half. Man, getting the three right now, it's tempting. The juice is on it right now as I'm looking at some of these books. If you want to take the three with Carolina, about minus a buck 17. So could be a good spot. Should be a fun week too. Brady, we'll be looking forward to it with you next week, my man. But best of luck with all the action you got going on Monday. And thanks as always for making some time. Hey, Danny, if you don't mind, I've got a couple of little nuggets uh, for you oh, on absolutely. this Monday night game. Uh, that I'd like to get your reaction to uh, just some trends. And, you know, I, you've been doing this long enough. Uh, you, you don't want to buy into trends 100 percent at all. But I think when you can find reason that they make sense, uh, you can kind of, you know, add them to your handicapping portfolio portfolio, if you will. Um, we saw this happen with the Atlanta Falcons today. And we saw this happen with the Pittsburgh Steelers today since 2004. There have been 15 teams who had a successful quarterback either get traded in the offseason or retire. Those teams in week one are 13-2 and two straight up and 10-3-2 and two against the spread. 
Matt Ryan leaves Jeez. Atlanta. Ben Roethlisberger retires from Pittsburgh. And of course, those teams came out, uh, not only covered the spread in both cases, but won outright in the case of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Here you have the same situation for the Seattle Seahawks. Their star quarterback gets traded in the offseason. And I think the mentality there is everybody else on that team for the entire offseason is just hearing how everything's going to go up in flames because your guy left. And these guys have pride and they and they hear that and they say, well, wait a minute, you know, we're, we're still fine and we're going to show you that we can do it without this guy. It worked in two cases earlier on Sunday. I think it could be that same mentality that works for the Seattle Seahawks on Monday night. Also, Russell Wilson, four and 10 straight up and against the spread in the month of September, just basically says that he gets off to a slow start and he's got maybe no more better situation to possibly get off to a slow start than win it with a new team and new coaches and going back into a hostile, hostile environment. The other one is week one road favorites on Monday night, seven and 18 against the spread three and 17 against the spread when favored by less than six points. Now, obviously, uh, Denver is favored by more than six points. Who knows where it'll close? But all of that stuff there, Danny, I think is good food for thought. Oh, for sure. That's awesome. Great nuggets, Brady. Yeah, I mean, in, in you kind of prefaced it perfectly, right? You don't want to solely rely on trends, but when it's very situational like that and specific to a spot like this, it'd kind of be ignorant to not at least consider it a tad bit, especially with all the emotion that's present on the line for that Monday night spot. Man, that's good stuff. I appreciate it, Brady, and I'm sure all the listeners do as well. What about that quarterback thing, though, right? You know, the, the quarterback that gets traded or retired, does yeah. that make sense for the mentality for the rest of the team, you know, that kind Kind of that next yeah. man up mentality we can do this without our guy it, it it absolutely does brady and it's really taken me quite some time to kind of adjust to that you know i mean everybody's learning year after year and you know you've been doing it for so long and so successfully and yeah you pointed out because when you think about it again you look at the seahawks you're like this team could have the chance of being one of the worst but this game as you kept mentioning could be their Super Bowl to them. I mean, these are still professional players at the end of the day. It's not like college football to where there could be that much of a gap between the teams of the Alabamas and, right, you know, right. the group of five schools and we where saw it's just that night and day. Absolutely, Brady. And that's the thing. Sometimes we forget that. It's still just professional athletes who still are at the highest of their profession and anything can happen, as cliche as it sounds, on any given Sunday. But you're right. Sometimes you got to go into the mentality of it, the psyche of these players, and the quarterback issue. That's fascinating, man. I, I like that angle a lot, Brady. Seattle may only win one game this entire season, Danny, but it might be <laughs> this one. You know, this, this, this right. game's been circled on their schedule, I imagine, for a while. Absolutely. Well, we'll be uh, chomping at the bit to see if that seven pops up. And then uh, you may see me involved in that one. And we already know Brady's going to be sweating it out. So it'll be a blast. And uh, hopefully we're all able to cash some winners come Monday night and end our week one on a high note. But Brady, my man, unless you got anything else, uh, I'm all good on Monday. I'm ready to get things going and see that emotional game. Uh, I think you're all set unless you got anything else, my man. I'm all out of handicapping tidbits, my friend. That's uh, that's about the <laughs> The long and the short of it and and i think we covered most of the angles i've heard out there and most of the angles that i've come up with uh, in the breakdown of this game so go seahawks 
Absolutely. Hey, Seahawks, get that covered for us, baby. And uh, if we're playing some props, you know, maybe we're looking at Geno Smith under and some of those Broncos running backs hitting the over. That's what we'll be looking forward to. But a big shout out to Brady Cannon, folks. Make sure you follow him on Twitter at Las Vegas Golfer. For myself, Danny Burke at Danny Burke 5. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast so you get notified when it's released as soon as possible. So you get yourself set up for a preview of Monday Night Football with Brady and I, then Thursday night with Matt Humans and myself, and then the whole Sunday slate with Mike Palm joining the show. Going to be doing it every single week, all football season long. But once again, best of luck with all your action on Monday, and we'll catch up again for Thursday Night Football later this week. I'll talk to you next week, my friend.